Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagara, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. This episode, we are talking about talking to ourselves. Self-talk, or the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, is so critical that it directly impacts the way the world interacts with us every single day. Joining us for this conversation is Andrea Ivanka, a business coach who primarily focuses on working with women. Through her work, her personal experiences, and formal training, Andrea has survived and thrived despite everything life has thrown her way. We are thrilled to have you here. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm pretty excited. It's (laughs) great being in the Courage in Action podcast and in this world. Thank you. I love it. I love it. You have great energy. So you have actually lived a very full and I would say adventurous life versus some of the um, traditional lines that women are asked to color within. Can you tell us about your adventures and how that sort of comes to life with risk and challenges and how you find the strength to always believe in yourself? Sure. That's a pretty loaded question. It is. a loaded. Let's start yeah, off strong, right? Yeah, let's start <laughs> off strong. Well, yeah. one of the things is for me growing up, I was very much an introvert. I still am. I, I love reading books. I've always got my nose stuck in a book. And the kind of books that my dad and my godfather would give me were always adventure books. And I used to have, yeah, I just, I loved adventure books, but I used to do this thing with, I don't know if you remember back in the day, some people might remember this. If you've never heard of this, don't worry, I'll explain it. Was these choose your own adventure books. Oh yeah. And yeah, the choose your own adventure books, you could pick the pages and then you'd end up wherever you ended up. But I used to read them backwards. So I would pick the ending that I wanted And then go flip back through to try and figure out which decisions would actually get me to the ending that I wanted. What great training for strategy that is. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember somebody once told me like, you're cheating because you're just supposed to pick and see. And I was like, well, if that's the ending I want, wouldn't it make sense for me to figure out what decisions would help me to get there? Completely logical. Yes. (laughs) logical right but kind of outside of the box thinking and I think that really kicks it off for me is because I was such a big reader and really had my head up in in adventures and all of these things combined with being a heavy introvert I got to this point in my life where no joke I was scared that I was going to die when I was like 18 or 19 and that on my tombstone it would say she lived a boring life so, oh goodness! Okay, yeah, this, this, this is like a very real thought in my head. So Fair. somewhere in that like late teen, like early young adult life of mine, I was like, okay, if life is going to happen, it's it's kind of up to me. And so it was really strange because on one side of my family and my upbringing, I had my dad's mom, who was very much marry a rich man and then you'll never <laughs> have to work a day in your life. That was right. her like you know her whole upbringing and goal yeah for me Mm -hmm. and then my mom's mom she was the only one born in Canada my other three grandparents had come from Ukraine so my whole family background was Ukrainian still is Ukrainian um but she got a job right out of high school and had her own car and could drive around so she was very independent and so she was very much of like go make what you can out of life. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up when my parents were both working. So when I got to this point in my early, early, like late teens, early twenties, I really wanted to do something a little different. So a lot of my friends were graduating from university, getting well-paying jobs, settling down, getting married. What did I do for the next 10 years? I traveled. (laughs) I lived in Mexico for three years I got a job working for a university and I was in their admissions department and traveled all around Canada and the US. Like if there was travel of some sort involved, like I was all all in, right? Yes. I lived in the UK and then I got a job in China and like all of these things. Now, this is also where in that process, 
I had some of the hardest things that I ever encountered happen in my life. So I don't know if, right. if you want me to go into that a little bit. Yeah, please. However you would like to, to dive okay. in. Go ahead. So, yeah. so this is where, when I was, when I was living in the UK, I got assaulted mm-hmm. and in that process, the person who was the assailant was also then the person who was my boss when I moved to China. And oh, I realized wow. in retrospect, yeah, what had happened, if anybody knows anything about PTSD and stuff like this, like my brain yep. kind of shut down, you know, I yes. went into yep. survival mode. And so there I was then in China face to face with this person almost every day. And all of a sudden it's like, it hit a point where I, I couldn't handle it anymore. It was like, all of a sudden one day I woke up and it was like, what is going on? And so yeah. I came back to Canada and that was really where there was a few years there where it was like the dark night of my soul. You know, it was really, I was going for therapy. I was at the rape crisis center. I was trying to like piece my life back together. I hadn't planned on moving back home, back to Canada. I didn't have anywhere to live. Sure. I ended up moving back in with my grandmother, you know, like, so there was, there was all of these, these pieces in my early thirties where it felt like my life fell apart, but in that process, because of the traveling and all of the things that I had done, I knew that I was strong. And it was mm. so interesting because going through that experience, there was this moment, and I think it was one of those pivotal moments that, that can really shape your perspective in life. I was at the Rape Crisis Center and we were I was in a group therapy session and there were some women there that had been coming for seven, eight, nine years And it just, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. I was like, I do not want to be this person where seven, eight, nine years later, one event, even though it's awful, defines the all of who I am. Right. And so it was like this moment, right? When I talk about the stories we tell ourselves where all of a sudden I realized that how I was talking to myself about what had happened and how I was dealing with it would either help me to lean into that strength that I had seen right. or right. it would turn me into somebody that forever got defined by that one moment. And I really feel like that was one of my defining moments in life where I was like, no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so it hell sounds no. like, yeah, it sounds like it was a, almost a rediscovering of yourself. So when you go yeah. through trauma like that, you tend to shut down and lose yourself entirely and it's yeah. about how you find that journey back to your true self. Is that fair? Absolutely. And I think part of that journey is who do you surround yourself with? Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really important. Like I was, I don't know, lucky enough. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but when I had lived in the UK that that year, that all, I think it was like the worst year and the best year all at once, that year that I lived in right. the UK, I'd been co-running these sailing groups like sailboats and one of these guys that came on the sailing trip was like you'd make a really good coach you're really good at getting people out of their comfort zone and trying new things and I was like what the hell's a coach I had no idea I I came from an education background so context wise it was like hockey like soccer football I had no idea like I'm not an athletic coach what are you talking about <laughs> no, no me not at all I have like two yeah. left feet I'm not athletic right. I'm, I'm like going on adventures but athletic no definitely not a word that would describe me um so because of that when I was going through the healing process it was like this little seed of something that had been planted and so while I was going through the healing I started taking coaching certifications and trainings and I started really getting into what happens in our brains with how we talk to ourselves, like how Mm -hmm. different words make a different impact. And that was, I think really where I said, like, I don't know if I was lucky or this was meant to be part of my life's mission, but it, it got me thinking about how was I talking to myself first? And as I went through that healing journey, I started realizing like, well, I could actually help other people with this too, because I'm not the only one that's gone through tough stuff. What are the, what are some of the critical words that you would reframe during a, a trauma like that? Well, that's a great question. I think it, it really depends on where you are in the process of healing. Like when, when something is like, it just happened, this would be very different than when you're maybe a couple of months down the road and it's not like it just happened. But I know for me was 
some of the words that really helped a lot was at the beginning was I survived. Mm. I'm okay. Yes. It's done. Yeah. I survived. I'm okay. It's done. Right. And just that would help a lot when I was getting flashbacks and, and things like that. Like in Cause it brings really, grounds you in the present. Right. That's yeah. right. And it was, it was like, I'd look at myself and I'd be like, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. here. I'm alive. That thing is not happening again. I am okay. That's right. Yeah. And that I'm okay has actually been something that just over and over, even in business, when, when you know, stuff goes sideways or things you don't expect happen. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, I'm okay. I'm good. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. And those kind of words of like, I can handle this. I'm strong. I am capable. All of those kind of positive reinforcements as time went on really, really helped. So I started looking for evidence. What evidence did I have? Mm. I traveled, I lived around the world. I am strong. Like I went by myself. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't go with people. I went by myself. I was a little, you know, a little bit of a lunatic, but in a good way. (laughs) We enjoy lunatics. (laughs) So it was like when I started looking at those things and looking for evidence of who am I really, Mm -hmm. then it wasn't like I was trying to make myself believe something that wasn't true. It was more like I was tapping into like my soul's wisdom. Like I can feel like my voice and everything feels like a little shaky right now because it was the depth of what was going on as I was going through that healing process. It was really big. Yeah. That's a tremendous um, healing to go through. And I think there are different stages of that. So when you're in that moment and, you know, something is hot, the traumatic event is happening to you. It's almost like you leave your brain. That space is gone. Um, Immediately after, like you mentioned that it took you a while before the trauma actually hit you. So what is that moment like? And how do do you identify it and make sure that you can self-care if you're alone at that time? That is a great question. I was not alone in the sense of there was people around me, but I was alone yeah, in the sense alone of I was in a foreign country and I didn't speak the language, right? Yeah, yeah. And your so, support people weren't there. They were very far away. Right, right. other side of the planet. So, so. Literally, literally yeah. right? And yeah. so for me, it was this, it was like this bolt of lightning hit of like what had really gone on, what I was trying to ignore. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I have a deep decision breath. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big deep breath. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I didn't know it at the time, but I learned it after how much our breath impacts mm. us. Yeah. Just stopping and take a couple of deep breaths, especially when you're feeling stressed. Yes. You know, yes. it's like it starts to calm us down. So when I was in that place alone, it was really this conversation that I had with myself about I have some decisions now. Because now that I'm aware, mm-hmm. like my brain's not shutting it off anymore. If I stay now, that's on me. Mm. That's on me. That's an accountability um, piece. Yeah. Yes. And that was really big because the company that I was working for, <laughs> there were some pretty big parts to stick around. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this worth it Yeah. to yeah. be in front of this person every day? And the answer was no. So when the company flew me, they flew me from China to the UK for Mm -hmm. a business trip. Once I was no more distance, now it was really easy to say, okay, I'm not going back. And I think that piece is really important. Sometimes we, when people have gone through things, creating that distance, getting out of the situation somehow, it just helps to bring things into greater clarity when you're not fighting with your emotions that are so heightened from being in a situation. Right. Right. And sometimes it's not so easy, but I think more and more we are having organizations, people, services that are open to help women, especially who need to get out of situations that are not safe. And I think that is something really powerful that's happening now where for a lot of in a lot of places, we're not so alone. I know it's not like that everywhere around the world, mm-hmm. but that place of going like, can I get out? What can I do to get out? How can I get myself out? That was yeah. really, really important. So making a plan to get yourself some space in order to then heal properly and, and feel everything that you have to feel. So yeah. 
it's um it's a different level of self-care it's like okay i'm in survival mode now and i had to you know i in my self-care journey i've started talking about sort of that inner child and it's almost like you switch to like how would i take care of a child and get them out of this situation and you have to care for yourself that way um, yeah. as you would a child or anybody that you loved um i think that's a great way of looking at it because when you look at a child as well, right? Mm-hmm. The child does not think quite as logically as we do as adults. Correct. And when yes. <laughs> you had a big trauma or you're in fight or flight mode, we don't have access to, to everything. prefrontal yep. cortex and to all kinds of you know logic centers in our brain the same way we would when we're calm. So giving yourself that, or in my case, giving myself that extra little bit of space to just be like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know there, there literally needs to be some kindness in terms of how do I deal with this was, was really, really important. And like I was saying, as that journey went on, then how I started to talk to myself was very different, right? Like now I look back and I can recognize there were aspects of, of me that didn't pay attention to red flags. that didn't pay attention to my mm-hmm. intuition. Mm-hmm. I would not have admitted it back then. Right. Because I didn't have the space to do that. Now I can, and that's not to say it was my fault, right? This is like very, very clear. I am not responsible for yeah. somebody else's actions. Yeah. But I was able, because of the distance, to get that space to go like, oh, you know, that the kind of family background that I grew up in, very judgmental. My pendulum yes. went the other way where I was over nice to people and not wanting to people be People pleaser. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. I should we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, the people pleasers of the world. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that happened later. It was, you know, once there was some distance from it and I could start looking at myself to go, okay, if I'm going to grow out of this, what are, what are the aspects of myself mm-hmm. that either get to change, transform, And that's the piece of the journey that I think takes a lot of courage, like even more than the initial pieces, because it's those aspects of like, how do I get to grow out of this? That that was probably harder, quite honestly, that was probably (laughs) harder. Yeah, because that's like, now you have so many options. And sometimes that's a little bit scary to step out of that. Like, this is everything I've known, the comfortable fences that, you know, family and culture and tradition and everything I put around you to like step your little toe out of that can be scary and it can be intimidating. So I totally understand what you're saying. What I love is that you talk about it in the sense of I get to do this or what do I get to do next versus, oh my God, what do I have to do? It's like an opportunity. I get to do it, right? Have to and get to are (laughs) two very, very powerful words. Literally today I was reading this book. Ah, here, I'll show you. Not that people on the podcast can okay, see. Okay, we'll, we'll say what it is. Atomic Habits, yes. It is yeah. book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm-hmm. I've known about this have and get for a long time. I use it a lot in yes. my coaching. And yes. I'm about it again in the book today. So now that you've mentioned it as well, I just, I think <laughs> it really is important to shine a light on this. Yes. Have to gives us the sense of not a lot of options, right? right. Like I have to yes. get up out of I have to get up in the morning. I have to brush my teeth. I have to feed myself, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the sense of like, oh, there's not much possibility in there versus I get to get up in the morning. I get to brush my teeth. I get to feed myself yes. all of a sudden, even as yes. you're listening, right? It's like, there's a different energy. Get to gives us autonomy. It gives us possibility. It gives us opportunity. So when we talk about small shifts with words in how we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. if whoever's listening to this has never experimented with this before experiment a little bit. I, I, I encourage you. I double dare you. (laughs) 100% give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a shot. Notice what happens when you switch your language, even from like, I have to make lunch for my kids or I have to make dinner for my kids. Like I get to get to. Yeah. 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 It's totally like, like, wow, that's, that's an opportunity. It it absolutely energetically in your soul feels different. Um, and the, the language, and I'm also, I always say I'm a recovering perfectionist because I'm certainly not out of the situation, but the people please are layered on with a perfectionist (laughs) and all of the things like it's a recipe for disaster, but, um, perfectionism actually comes with a very harsh self-critic all Mm -hmm. the time. Not enough, not enough, not enough playing in your, playing in your brain. 
Um, and you're, you sound like you understand exactly what I'm talking about. So how did you switch that recording of not enough and that self-credit to be a, a self-motivator or self-coach or caretaker? One of the things is realizing that that strategy is not always bad. And here's what I mean by this. Hmm. Like I know, for example, if I did a presentation I want to be able to take a look at it objectively and go like, is there something I could have done better? Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But that is not coming from a, I'm not enough conversation. Yes. Right. So yes. I think it's really important to separate out strategies of being able to look at things objectively versus the self-talk that says I am not enough. That's mm-hmm. a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's really important. So one of the things for me, I realized that the opposite of perfection was not and is not imperfection. The opposite of perfection is freedom. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yes. And once I really got that, it was like, oh, now there's freedom to experiment. There's freedom to play. There's freedom to be creative. There's freedom to be innovative, right? Because what perfectionism does is it locks us up. It, yes. it, it has us thinking about doing things. It has us thinking that we're implementing. It looks like we're in motion but we're not actually doing things when we're stuck in perfectionism. It's like, let me think about going on the podcast. Let me think about doing video. Let me think about reaching out to that person and going for a coffee. You know, let me think about it. And all Mm -hmm. perfectionism does is it, it, it handcuffs you. Yeah. It's total handcuffs. So how how do you, what's the first step to breaking that down? First of all, is recognize it's going on. It's one of those things that unless we actually recognize what's going on and acknowledge it, it's very Mm -hmm. hard to change it. So I think one of the greatest things I ever heard was name it to tame it. That helped Mm. me a lot because people that have come from a lot of like law of attraction and a lot of personal growth world, there's this little bit of like fear of, oh, if I pay attention to it, then I'm going to create more of it and I'm going to attract more of it. Yeah. So there's this fear then of, if I acknowledge that this is what's going on, am I creating more of it? Am I going to do more of it? But when we actually stop to go, okay, what's actually going on here? What's going on in my head? What am I feeling? If we can name it, then all of a sudden we can take a deep breath and go, is this serving me? Is this actually true? Is this Mm. really real? What if this, this one question, it, it always helps shift me a little bit. And all it takes is like that one degree change. And this, what if this wasn't actually true? Yeah. Oh, if it wasn't what true. If, yeah. What if this actually wasn't true? Mm-hmm. And then what if it, it kind of unscrews the pickle jar of your mind a little bit? Because we're right. not saying, like, if you're deep in the perfectionism and, and beating yourself up, right? Saying, well, that's not true. I did do good enough. You, you can't lie to yourself. But if you say to yourself, well, what if this wasn't true? What if yeah. this actually wasn't true that I didn't do this perfectly? What if it actually wasn't true that... I have to do a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, right? Like yes. all into this. Then all of a sudden there's like a little wiggle of like, well, what if that wasn't actually true? Well, maybe I did do my best. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden the maybe start coming in. Yeah. Maybe this was the best that I could have done in this moment. Maybe this was exactly the way it needed to be. Maybe this was actually the universe opening something up for me. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. See, so what ifs followed by maybes and all of a sudden things start to loosen up. Yes. Once they start loosening yes. it up, now you can go, well, what would I rather be feeling instead right now? Mm, yes. And here's the really what interesting if to what thing. would I rather? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What if to maybe to what would I rather? Yes. And here's the cool thing is it doesn't have to be a big jump. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need to go from I'm miserable to I'm ecstatic in like 10 seconds. You can go from miserable to a little bit frustrated frustrated is better than miserable and from frustrated maybe now you can move up into uh curious i love moving to curious mm, curious is like yes that's a fun space like, yeah it's it's neutral enough that it can open up doors to other things right yes so yes. once i'm in curious about like what that what else what else would i like to be feeling instead what else could i think about this what else what else what else what else as soon as i'm into curious now there's a doorway to move into maybe a little bit of happiness, maybe Ooh. a little bit of <laughs> curiosity, right? right? A little sorry, from curious to more curiosity is always good. More curiosity, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. More curiosity is good. A little bit of intrigue, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of excitement. You know, a little bit of excitement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you've shifted. It doesn't take long. It actually makes me think about, you know, where you started with the choose your own adventure books. And it, it really is the story that we tell ourselves is the story of our lives. And we get to choose where the character goes, when they get there. If you start with an end goal, you want to work yourself backwards or however you want to write that story is going to end up being the reality that you live. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is so important about this, right? If we're, if we're going to be I think very real and honest about things that are going on in our world is we all come into sometimes genders, cultures, families, where we do not have 100% control over what is going on around us, what is going on in our family environment, what is maybe going on, we've we've seen this like with systemic racism, things like this, right? We don't have control over everything. Mm -hmm. That being said, we do have control over who do I choose to be in this context? Who do I choose to become? Do I decide to make this the reason why I can't? Or do I decide that even though this is what my environment is telling me, I'm gonna look for examples of what else is possible. Like the environment I grew up in, 90% of the people, 95% are all employees. Mm-hmm. My entire family, almost all of them, except for one person, that was my mom, thought I was a lunatic <laughs> to leave a well-paying job, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. and for a few years, it was like, do, do oh, you have God. money? What did I do? Enough money? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I was fine. What they did you not. do? Not do what did I do? What yes. did you do? Yeah. It was the rest of the family that was like, you know, are, are you okay? Do, do you have enough yeah. money? Are you my dad almost all the time? Like. Do you have enough to pay your bills? Yes, dad. I have enough to pay my bills. Yeah. My second year in business, we were making over six figures. Like we're doing good. That's amazing. Because it was so foreign, right? This is why I'm bringing this up is we've all got things in our environment that could be a reason to tell us that we can't. Mm. Whatever, whatever it is that that vision that's, that's there on your heart, whatever that's that soul spark that keeps whispering to you that just won't go away. Like, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years later, And there's something that I heard years ago and it it stuck out with me. It was when you're on your deathbed, looking back, I'd rather choose my regrets than have my regrets have chosen me. Mm. And the whole idea was like, we we get to choose, right? So it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, like I'm watching my grandmother who's 90 learning new things. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. We get to choose. We get to choose. And it, it certainly, I think feels um, like we lose that with the state of the world that we are in right now with all of the suffering that's going on, the trauma of a global pandemic uh, with COVID Um, you know, the systemic racism that is starting to be actually at the forefront of conversation now, Um, the war that's happening in the Ukraine right now, there's so much happening in the world that is so traumatic as a global community, we're feeling it. How do we choose who we want to be despite all of that? That is such a great question. You look for examples of who Mm. you want to be. Okay. Like, even though everything's going on in Ukraine, like I've done a lot of fundraising, I've sent packages yeah. there. I, I grew up in a Ukrainian Amazing. bubble. It's, it's really hitting home for me. Of course. Is I even look at what President Zelensky is doing. Even mm-hmm. as he is asking for support, he keeps talking about the rebuilding of Ukraine. Mm. He's already talking about that now. With he has like from, no doubt that it, everything's going to be okay. None. Yeah. So in the midst of the atrocities, the horrors, and I mean, Ukraine is not the only country that it's happening in. I believe one of the reasons it has sparked such a global outcry, I believe partially, and I mean, this is just my opinion, so take it with a grain of salt, but coming on the heels of COVID where 
so many of us felt like some of the freedoms that we were accustomed mm. to, mm-hmm. we didn't have. Yes. And even though it was for health reasons and all of this, I think people became very sensitized mm. to yes. being able to have and not have a way of life. So I think because this happened just as we were starting to come out of COVID, it's, it's, it's more present for people, not that it's worse than anything that's happened in other places. Yeah. But as I'm looking at what's happening, I'm seeing examples of people opening up their homes, mm-hmm. people doing fundraising. Like yes. I have friends of mine that actually went over to Bulgaria and they were there for three weeks, bringing in the, the women and the refugees. They wow. got resorts that are like closed down in the winter normally to open up, start operating again so that the refugees would have places to stay. Wow. So when you talk about who do you want to be in the middle of it, mm-hmm. not only is it defining for yourself, do I come back to love, but look for examples. Yeah. Of the humanity that we're striving for. And if you do, you will find it. And if you don't, you can be it in your community. And then you will find it. We are so connected globally now. I'm in one place. You're in another place because of the technology we're connected. People who are listening to this, like who knows where they'll be. Right. We can connect energetically around the world as well with like-minded people. And I think that's really powerful. I think it's amazing. And I, I feel the emotion. Um, that's coming through right now, even though we are on screen right now. And I think it's such an incredible message, an incredible lesson, because yes, the media is talking all about the traumas and all about the atrocities and all of the things. And you're so right. Hidden in there is the, are the gems of what humanity actually is. And what I, you know, what I would choose to believe um, humanity to be and that we are, you know, more good than, than not. Um, and I think if we unite around that, um, that can be a very powerful healing for the entire world. Um, and I'm a, a big believer in everybody has a role to play in this life and in this world. And energetically, you have impact on everybody and everything around you. I totally agree. And I really believe that when we go through our own healing, mm-hmm. It does. It has a ripple effect. If you think about the people you're in contact with day to day, how you treat them, how you talk to them. Yeah. And I remember having this conversation with my father a few years ago and he was like, you could have turned into a very bitter, angry woman. And I was like, yeah, I could have. Yeah. And then imagine what would have been the impact, how I treat my family, how I treated then other men, they would have had then another reason to be like, look, there's another bitter, angry white girl. Yeah. Without knowing what had happened in my life. Right. Right. And so when we go on this healing journey, it's not just us that's impacted. It's not just our, our hearts that are healed. It's also the ripple effect of every single person we come into contact with, whether it is the cashier at (laughs) the Walmart, whether it is somebody at Louis Vuitton, whether, you know, it doesn't matter who we come into contact with, but we are real people. Mm -hmm. And if I look and I go, with all the, the the things that are happening around the world that are really tough. And I look at this through the lens of, now imagine if each of those people who are involved in these conflicts healed. Mm. Came back yes. to us. Yes. What would be possible? Mm-hmm. That really is an interesting thought to think about. So what part do I that have That is a that? powerful thought to think about. Yes. yes. It is. And so the part that I have in that and the part that each of us has in that is not only can that be an exciting idea, but let's not stop at projecting it outward. Because when we project it outward and we don't do it inwardly, then it's always about somebody else. So we can send our love. We can send our thoughts of healing. I do believe we are all connected. Yes. I believe it makes a difference. There's a really fascinating book. You can tell I read a lot um, called The Power (laughs) of Eight. Yeah. Lynn McTaggart, they did experiments now years ago with sending love to regions of the world that were war-torn energy experiments with sending light to plants and actually watching how they grew and all of these things. Anyways, fascinating book if you're into this kind of, you know, mix of Mm -hmm. science and spirituality. But I I do believe who we are, our, our beliefs around what is possible 
they keep helping the world improve. Even though there's chaos going on now, it's still better than it was 100 years ago. It's better than yes. it was 200 years ago. It's better than it was 300 years ago. Yeah. So let's not lose sight of that. Yes. And it's um, it's such a powerful thing. And not only does it open up, you know, possibility. When you, when you open up your possibilities, your life will just expand naturally mm -hmm. from that. And it can be very hard in your mind to break down those barriers and those, those walls. Um, but I love that you talked about going inward first and really understanding what your own value is and your space and place in this world is where everything starts. Everything. Absolutely. Well, if you think you don't matter, if you think your voice doesn't matter, then you act like you don't matter. And then how right. you treat other people is not out of your highest and best mm -hmm. self. If you really believe you don't matter. Yeah. But if you fundamentally, if we can fundamentally grasp this, that we matter, that you matter, that your life matters, that we all play some kind of role in this intricate dance that we call life in this tapestry, <laughs> right? Yes. If we all yes. are a thread that makes a difference, yes. then think about this, right? Like, how do you then go out your day? How do you yeah. treat people? How do you talk to the people you know, the people who are strangers? And I actually think yeah. quite often the people we know is the area where is the most work for people because it's so Oh, absolutely. That's where you can be the, the meanest and the worst yeah. form of yourself because it's it true. feels safe, right? Like when you're, yeah. when you're with those closest to you, you almost take them for granted and that's not... And, and that's even true for yourself. Like you take yourself for granted a lot, I think. Yeah, so. that's for sure. And this is why this is this is the journey. This is the work, right? It's not about, yes. oh, there's always something to heal from. No, I don't look at it that way. It's like the get to have to. It's more like there is always going to be a version of me that I'm growing into. And I that for it. me is very exciting. It means that like for me up until the moment where I take my last breath, it will mean there is always something interesting. There is always something for me to dive into. There's something for me to grow into, to grow and evolve into. And that yeah. is really exciting. So if we can take a look at it, maybe from that perspective, then maybe even healing doesn't feel so heavy. It feels like, oh, you know, there's just, there's something. This is the chapter out. I'm in right now. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that actually made me think about how brilliant I thought uh, the title of Michelle Obama's book was, or she just called it Becoming. Because she, mm -hmm. it's never done. You're always becoming who you mm -hmm. are. And, and that, that never changes. Who you intrinsically are, when you get to the depth of that, that is mm -hmm. a grounding, can be a grounding force in your life if you allow it to be. Yeah. I feel like that's the, that's the place where your soul's wisdom gets to whisper and, yes. and remind you. And we get to be reminded of who we are at our core. You know, I think of... Who I am at my core, there are certain words that will always come to mind creative, adventurous, loving, mm. kind, yes. smart. You know, yes. and before I, I couldn't own all of those before. I, I would have thought that, oh, I was being arrogant or I was being cocky. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Who I am. That actually yeah. helps me to feel confident if I can own those instead of needing somebody else to tell me that this is who I am. Yeah. And it's, um, I actually went through a, an exercise on this with a coach that I had, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't get to who I am. What are these words that describe me? Like I was just too far in my own head. And she had me do an exercise where I had to ask, and I can't remember how many people it was, but I had to ask people who are close with me, people who are not close, not that close with me and strangers, like a, a waitress or a waiter when I was at a restaurant. Um, what shows up when I do and just leave it at that. And don't say another word. And that's so weird and awkward, but I did it. And it was just so profound to me that the messages were so similar. And I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> and then we worked on it and, and like brought it down to like six different words that describe, you know, who I am and that I, I bring, I actually bring safety and comfort and, I'm create, I'm a creator and a passion and all of these things. And I was like, wow, that just shows up when I do. I had no appreciation of that before. None. Uh, that is really cool. 
That, that is a fabulous exercise. I've heard different versions yeah. of that. Yeah. And yeah, that that's definitely what shows up when I do. I, I really I do. like that. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. And at first I didn't even understand the question. I was like, what do you mean? But what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, just ask the question and see what happens. <laughs> okay. It's so, so good I wrote it down. That's yeah, we can all give it. Like I would suggest everybody give that a try and then mm -hmm. just you know, from everything that comes back, write it all down and then take a look and, and you narrow it and narrow it and narrow it until like, oh, there I am. And it just sort of happens in a moment. Yeah. So <laughs> I've done a version of this very similar with clients where we've got them to ask very similar, right? Or just the people yes. around them. What do they see as their unique ability, their strengths? And it's right. so extraordinary where, but I like this question a lot. I really, really yes. like it because yeah. it just opens it up a bit more. This is, yeah. can I always tell when you're talking to a coach because they're always on the lookout for great questions, I swear. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's the learning though, right? You're always learning. It is. It. Well, yeah, there's, there's me in a nutshell, right? If there's something I can learn and I can take something away out of something. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's something about doing that though when like I was saying, you, you start to see this is who you are, not because of, um, it's like somebody from the outside telling you just affirms what's already there, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of mm -hmm. somebody needing to put something on you that's not really you. It's more like, oh yeah, right. because if those words you didn't identify with, you wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, that's me. You would be like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. I would be like, that's arrogant to describe myself that way. Good Lord. But it's almost like that evidence that you were talking about earlier, like find the evidence. It was almost like, here's the evidence for you. And, and then you start to believe it because it's so important that you actually believe the messages that you're giving yourself. Yeah. I, there's this, there's this Andreaism that my clients say I have. And I always talk about find mm -hmm. your edge and ride it. Right. So it's oh, like, it's yeah. my edge is going to be a little different than your edge. Yeah living in a world where we are only inside of our own heads and we don't get any feedback from the outside, that's not healthy either. And living no. where completely where what everybody else says is the only thing we honor is not healthy either. So it's really about how do we find this edge of, I feel good in myself and my, my own skin. Yes. And I also allow what other people say about me to mirror back and reflect some of the real goodness inside of me that maybe I don't give myself enough credit for all the time. Yeah. And I love that you said that about giving yourself enough credit. Cause I think women overall have a bit of an issue. This like society overall will value us by, and I'm air quoting value. Like our listeners can see me, but I'm air quoting value. Um, will value us by the money that we make which is not a measure of true value, but women have a really hard time understanding their value, giving themselves credit for what they've done and to negotiate and to build their businesses and drive and strive. And so we, we hear a lot about this wage gap conversation that's happening in the world right now too. What do you think about the relationship between women and, and money? Oh, this is such an interesting one. I literally just did a masterclass on this today. So oh, great. <laughs> literally right in the front of my head. So one of the things is to be mindful of our, our beliefs, our, our codes, the way we, we think about things from when we oh, like open our eyes in the morning to when we lay our heads down at night, mm -hmm. didn't develop in a vacuum. They developed yeah. as a product of our family, society. And if you look at historically women, it's only really in the last 50 years or so that we started to have more control over what was happening in our worlds, to our bodies, to being able to go get a job, like all of these kind of things up until I think it was like 40 years ago or something like that. Women couldn't even open their own bank accounts. Like their husbands had to sign off on it. Right. Wow. It 40 or 50 years ago. 40 still years. Like, wow. Something oh my like that. Right. It's, it's yeah. like, I'm like, I'm 44. So it's not, <laughs> oh, wait, no, that, I'm yeah. 43. I'm not 44. <laughs> my best friend turned 44 two days ago. We're the same year. I love so it. I love it. I'm like, ah, oh. anyways. So it's taking a look at who we are in relationship to money didn't happen in a vacuum. So when it goes to changing some of those values that we have around money, it's first becoming consciously aware of it, but then quite a lot of it, we've actually got to go to where a lot of this stuff develops and it's in the realm of the unconscious, right? Yeah. So 
we're running things unconsciously all of the time. So when you take a look at women and money, like one of the biggest challenges I have when my clients come to me, because most of them are 90% of them are entrepreneurs in service-based industries, right? They feel bad because they want to make more money. They feel like they're being greedy. They feel like they're being selfish, but then they're like, but I actually want to make a bigger impact. I want to be able to give in my community. I want to be able to do better things with my kids. And because they don't want to feel like their value is attached to money or that this business that they started, like really from a heart centric place is all of a sudden attached to money. Now they're having this internal conflict around money where it's like, I I don't even want to admit that I want to make it because then people are going to think that the only thing I care about is money. And I'm not the kind of person that the only thing I care about is money. So heaven forbid, I actually talk about wanting money. And so it's this really interesting internal conflict that comes yes. up for women yeah in this place. and if we don't actually start shining a light on it and bringing it out into the open and going like what's what's really going on here it's like if i say to somebody money means fill in the blanks mm-hmm. and they'll start like shooting off things and some of them are really positive and some of them are downright like can be negative like, like it can be yeah really 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 bad so when you've got this snarl of emotions and beliefs around money that's all running internally on an unconscious level outside of your awareness then on a one day you might be like hey money's great it's going to allow me to do things it's going to allow me to make a difference in the world and the next day you might be like don't want to be greedy so then the behavior especially when it comes to to women in business looks like well i don't put myself out there you know i don't make an offer i I don't want somebody to think I'm being salesy, so I'm not even going to talk about it. So I think, again, comes down to the communities that you're in. At least if we can open up these conversations to almost imagine like we're unscrewing the pickle jar of our head and like starting to pull out some of these ideas and talk about it, it starts to loosen some of the power that it has. And that's really, really important. If we want to start having different beliefs around money, where money is money and our worth is our worth and they are not connected. We are worthy because we are worthy. Yes. We get to make money because we get to make money. Money does not dictate our worth and that those are two equally important conversations and they're not collapsed together anymore. All of a sudden I'm going to come like, oh, well, if money is not attached to my worth and money is money and money can be an access point to allowing me to do really cool things then great. Then great, right? Yeah. Then that's We've got to untangle that conversation emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Like I think a lot of, you know, society judges on like money, title, all of these things, status based on like the symbols of are you wearing the right label and are you doing all of these things and do you drive the right cars and have the right houses and awesome. fundamentally, yeah. And it's, you know, people say keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly comparing yourself and assessing your value based on other people, other things, status symbols, you're never, you're never going to achieve that and never potentially be happy until, until you understand your intrinsic worth. So that's so, it's so big. I I struggled with that Mm -hmm. for a long time because especially being on social media and stuff like this, I would compare myself Mm -hmm. to other coaches, to women that were making more money than me, to women that had been in business a shorter amount of time than me and were making more Mm -hmm. money than me, right? And then I realized, I'm like, hold on a second. One, am I making a difference for my clients? Yes. Am I doing better than I was a few years ago? Yes. Am I learning how to use social media differently for the first time being an introvert? Yes. Okay, Andrea, can you cut yourself a little bit of slack? (laughs) Yeah, give yourself a break. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was this appreciation of, If I look back and look at my journey, and it's not Mm. that everybody else has to know it, but I know it. I know the challenges I've had. I know how I've led myself through really hard conversations. I know the leadership growth I've done. I know everything I've invested in time, money, energy to become who I am now. Then I can feel proud. If I go into the comparison thing, I can tell. And you can probably tell too. Like as soon as I find myself where all of a sudden my mood has changed, Mm. Mm-hmm. Like the heck just happened. I was happy like five minutes ago. Five what minutes. was I doing? Oh, yeah. I was scrolling. Oh, and it was that person and it was that picture. Where did my head go again? It's the awareness. Oh, yes. my head went into like, yeah, I should be further ahead. Okay. What if that wasn't true? Right. And I go through that whole process all over again. 
That's perfect because it is a practice, right? Like self-care is very much a practice. Um, and you're never going to be like, cool, I'm good. I'm going to be kind to myself forever. That just, it doesn't happen. you you always have to like a muscle you constantly have to exercise. Um, but there is also a knowing of, a friend of mine said this to me, like when, whenever she was in meetings and stuff, she'd seem pretty relaxed and like confident in all of these things. And she said to me, she's like, I know when I walk into the room, no matter who's in that room, that nobody is walking in there with the same experiences and the same life that I've had. So my perspective is completely unique. So I'm just going to say it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Like we are, nobody is ever going to be as good as being you as you are. Yeah. And that's it. And if you enter a room or, or the world that way, you can never be wrong because you're just being you. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I, this has been a fantastic conversation about how to, how to speak to ourselves with kindness and compassion. Um, what would you say is the most important thing for our listeners to remember um, as they practice self-care and self-talk in life? Most important thing. <laughs> like, the most important thing is I'm going to interject some levity here is have some Great. fun with this. I love it. Like, yeah. Have some fun. Take, take some of what, what we've talked about today, maybe experiment with some words, start mm-hmm. paying attention to the kind of conversations you're having internally and with the people around you. And if you're finding like there's some room for growth or it's feeling a little heavy, then just go take a deep breath and go, well, that's been what it has been up until now. And now because yeah. I'm aware I get to change. Right. And that's, yeah. that is the beauty. So I, I think that's it. probably the most important thing. We can always in a split second, make a decision to yes. shift. And yes. it's, it's 1%. Do, I know you can't see this, but if you imagine walking in a straight line, you're going to end up in a certain direction. And if you literally shift one degree over time, you will end up somewhere completely, completely different. Completely different. Yes. Completely. So this is all it takes. Sometimes life is just a series of one degree improvements that when you look back, Six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, you'll be like, wow, because I made that one degree change and I was a little nicer to myself. I was a little kinder myself. And then I was a little kinder to other people. My yeah. world became a brighter place. That's amazing. Enjoy the journey at the end of the day. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending your evening with us. We greatly appreciate it. And I know I learn a lot from you. Really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure our listeners learned a ton. Well, so thank, oh, you. thank you for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Amazing. Okay,